All righty. I'm about, I'm about tired of this sling. I'll tell you that much, but Janie's about tired of it too. They won't let me drive as long as I'm in a sling. And I said, well, if you saw me driving, you might not let me drive anyways. But uh, she's tired of being my chauffeur, <laughs> amongst other things. Thank you, honey, for all, all that you do. Uh, it's, I, we're, we're getting through it. Um, quite a surgery. They, they, uh, they cut a three-inch arm, three-inch uh, cut in my forearm, and then they drill a hole in the, my forearm bone to reattach the tendon on a little button that they stick through in the butt necks like a, like a butterfly and pops up. And so then I have to try to exercise it. And my exercises aren't what I was used, what I'm used to. Yeah. Carson, it's all your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> Did I described that, right? I described it the way Dr. Hodek described it to me. So, uh, so it's, now it's all stretch, you know, stretching. It's moving like this. The surgery was a success. If I can do this. All right. Well, Having bench pressed 300 pounds, I would like to do more than that, but we got to start somewhere, right? And so every now and then my, I have to sleep in the sling, which is probably the most uncomfortable thing. But again, you, many of you bear harsher burdens than that. So I try not to complain. It's just sometimes it kind of strangles me at night and uh, I got to wake up, <laughs> get a drink of water, walk around the house a little bit and regain consciousness. But uh, <laughs> it's all... <laughs> It's all good. Um, we're, we're, so our Christmas sermon series starts today on Thanksgiving weekend because of the Advent. This is the start of Advent. Uh, this is the fourth Sunday before uh, Christmas. So if you're not ready, you, you need to get ready because Christmas is in four weeks. Um, so uh, the sermon title uh, or series title is unheard of. Things that like really spectacular things that we would just wouldn't imagine. Part of our advantage as believers is that we get to read the story as it happened, not as it's happening. And it took a huge amount of faith for those that were taking place in the Christmas era uh, that 2,000 years ago when Christ was born on, on how things just unraveled. And so uh, today we're going to talk about seasons in not only our life, but in church history of where God was just silent. It was just, there was, he literally was, was unheard of. And, and you might be in your life today thinking, well, where is God? Where is God in the, in the nature of all these things? How come he's not, uh, you know, healed my sickness? Or how come he's not healed my relationships? Or how come he's not healed my finances? Or how come he's not healed these things? And, and we want to bear with you um, that that's part of suffering is part of Christianity. And, and although we don't glorify suffering, God is glorified in your suffering. And so we don't, you know, push that a whole lot, but we should probably speak about it more. There's seasons in our life where we wonder where God's at. And I want to tell you, I want to reassure you today, God's there all the time. He's always, he's promises that he would never leave us, nor would he forsake us. But we have to, we have to venture into his plan. Isaiah 55 says his plans and thoughts are way higher than our plans or thoughts. We have to understand that, that as we walk through life, there may be some things that we encounter that we didn't sign up for. We didn't, it's not by our design and maybe not even by God's design, but he will do those things if we walk through them according to his glory, to bring him glory, honor, praise and thanksgiving. And so we're going to talk about a couple things today. I told the first service, it's kind of a hodgepodge or it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a smorgasbord of message. It's like maybe some of your favorite foods that don't go good together, but you're going to heat them up and, 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 and serve them anyways. You know, you might have, you might have just different things like Thanksgiving weekend. Sometimes, uh, you know, you, you think, am I tired of turkey? Let's just have something else. Or, but, but I really like those mashed potatoes or I really like the stuffing, but I'm going to have it with, you know, fish tacos. And, and it's like, I don't, does that really go? Some of this message to you may not seem like it really goes, uh, but it's important for you to understand as, as we walk through life, there's ingredients to what God has done for us and will continue to do for us that we want to walk in his blessings. We want to walk and knowing that he's there. And so we're going to happen upon uh, the, the uh, Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, and we're going to read verses 5 through 11. 
Uh, and, and this is a story about Zechariah. Zechariah was married to Elizabeth, as we'll find out. And uh, they bring forth John the Baptist, which is a second or third cousin of um, uh, Jesus. So Elizabeth and Mary are cousins. Yeah, well, we can go to that scripture. Let's go to that, Dave. Thanks. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abihai, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Let's stop there just for a second. To have no children in this day and age was looked upon as being cursed. Like you must have sinned or something. You did something wrong. And we understand uh, the scientific science part of everything, and some people just don't have children, and they can have spiritual sons or daughters or adopt or foster or different things, but in the culture of the day, they would look down upon if they didn't have any children. Okay, let's move on. Uh, now, while he was serving Zachariah as priest before God, when his division, his order, was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense, which is a great honor, by the way. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, and ask that you would open our hearts and ears to hear and understand your word today. Father, even the depth of knowledge that we may venture into, would you let us give us understanding, Father Lord. Uh, let us open, Father Lord, our minds and our thoughts right now for the next 20 or 30 minutes. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. So it's a magnificent story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Again, Elizabeth is Mary's uh, Jesus' mother here on earth, uh, they're cousins. So they're first cousins. So it makes John the Baptist and Jesus second or third cousins, okay? So they're related. And this is an amazing story, uh, not because of, of the, the, uh, what happens, but the nature and the time it happens. So uh, there had been a 400-year silence where God was not heard from in, five, in 400 years, not through prophecy, not through indication, uh, no prophets had a word from God during this time. And so we're from the minor prophet Malachi until we get to the Gospels, where there's 400 years of silence. It's just like, we're like, what happened here? We're, what's going on? And we'll talk about it a little bit more. But if you look at uh, historical events, okay, especially in the Bible, there, there's three things that the history shows us. One, uh, history shows us the present. So we, we learn from the past on how we can act today, all right? History brings us into the now, we would say. So now is who I am, where I am, because of what has taken place behind me. Maybe I act the way I do because of the way I was raised, or maybe I am the person I am because of who I married, or maybe I am uh, the 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 the. DNA that I have because of all the history of the people in my family, or maybe where I live, I adapt. Like, we've noticed that when we go back to Nebraska, this is home now, so we used to say go back home, but now we're, this is home. When we go back to Nebraska, uh, our, our blood is thinned out. Like, we're not, excuse me, like our daughter Jill lives up there, and if it's 30 degrees or so, she's pretty comfortable with the sweater on. We got hats and mittens and gloves and scarves, and we're just downright cold. And if it gets colder than, like, if it drops into the 20s, we're really cold. And, and there is a little bit something different in the Midwest. The wind-wise, it kind of blows right through you. It's a cold chill, you know, and it's like, oh. Like Iowa, come on, Iowa. Ohio, come on, Ohio. It's just a different, man. You know, it, and it's like, ah. Oh. Really? <laughs> and, and we're ready to come back home where you all think 38 is freezing cold, you know? It's like my car tells me when it gets below 37. And Janie says, why does it tell you that? I said, it's probably, probably born in North Carolina. It thinks it's cold. <laughs> and so we, we adapt, right? We, ad we adapt. And so we have to understand in the adaptation of life, that there's things that we can learn how to do. So history shows us, okay, adaptation. History also repeats itself, and we have to, we have to know that as well. And we'll see this in Scripture today. There's about 
three different seasons in church life or the history of Israel where it has repeated itself. And history will repeat itself. You see that in sports a lot. You see that in in families a lot. History repeats itself. There's a lot of trigger points, okay? So someone may say something and all of a sudden it excites you. Like when Janie puts up the trees at our house and, uh, you know, so we were, we have a little movie room at our house and we were watching uh, one of the shows and after it, uh, the real Grinch that stole Christmas came on, the 26-minute version. And, and, like, we had to watch it. It was just us. There was no kids. And, and she said, do you want to watch it? I said, yeah, we want to. What do you mean, do I want to watch it? That's, like, my all-time favorite. That's, that's the classic. The Grinch that stole, you know, uh, Theodore Geisel's version. Uh, it's amazing. You know, 26 minutes. And, but it, and she said, why do you like it so much? It just takes me back to, like, when I was eight or nine. And my mom and dad would make fudge and cookies, and it would be a Sunday night, and I would sit in a rocking chair and just watch Dr. Seuss's uh, The Grinch's. And I know the end. Like, I know what's going to happen. He's bringing the toys back. But yet, when that sled is, getting, is bouncing on that snow, I just get, I get like, I want to grab that thing. And it, it's hilarious. But, you know, so it, it repeats, you know, history repeats itself even through memories, good memories. Maybe memories of a parent that's gone on to be with Jesus or maybe a, a memory of a loved one or maybe a memory of someone that's not going to be here at Christmas time just because they live in a different state or something. History repeats itself through good and bad. All right. So we have to, we, we know that. And then number three, history teaches us. And this is what we, we want to learn today is how, how does history teach us in this manner? How does history teach us? Well, we look at different seasons of church life and we see that so a couple things that will, that will happen. Okay. That in, in, in God, and God's not real predictable. And we have, that's one of the things that history has to teach us. Like, God will use anybody and everybody, and God may use people that, that nobody else would have thought of. And that's the, that's the impetus of this whole sermon series is unheard of. Like, that's an unheard of event. That, that's not normal. God uh, doesn't have somebody build an ark for 100 or 120 years. God doesn't have a, a, a young shepherd boy become king. God doesn't, yes, God does do those. Man doesn't do that, Okay. And so we have, to, we have to learn these things. Well, the first 400 years of silence was when Joseph took his brothers down to Egypt because of the famine. And what it did at first is it preserved all of Israel. And so there's a preservation time when we look at things that maybe there's silence or wilderness in our life. That's a time of preservation. A time of preservation causes us to maybe retrospect ourselves. What, what is God doing in my life? What, what do I need to get from God? Or what, how do, what is God trying to teach me or tell me? And so Joseph takes his family, 70, the Bible says, down into Egypt. And after that, they come out of Egypt and about 675,000 men and women and children. So maybe 1.2, 1.3 million people come out 400 years later. And Exodus, the first chapter, says that there, was a, a, there arose a Pharaoh who did not, jo- did not know Joseph or his family or his exploits or his value to the kingdom of Egypt, the empire, which Egypt was an empire at that time. And so he said, the Israelites are growing stronger and mightier than we are. They may side with one of our enemies and overthrow us. Let us be harsh. So he he started five-day work weeks and then six-day work weeks, and they started 10-hour days, and then he got up to 18-hour days, and he enslaved them. And so this is a representation, a type and shadow of what sin is in our life. Sin can enslave us, and sin starts to rule us and start to control us and starts to dominate us, but it's also a type and shadow of how God wants us to work in his life and how he wants to show us. And so the first word we're going to give you today is endure. God wants us to endure hard places in our life. He wants us to walk through those hard places. He wants us to remain fed, steadfast, immovable. He wants us to he wants us to move forward. He wants us to to be to be um, uh, faithful to him. So there's an a test of endurance. Uh, and even Jesus says, "He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved." And so there's a, there's an endurance factor. I, I uh, Janie and I were uh, in a, in, in Lincolnton yesterday, and uh, so we. 
on Saturday and Sunday, we really only maybe one meal a day, and, and we were hungry for McDonald's. Now, that's not one of your, your daddy's McDonald's. Uh, thank God for the story I'm going to tell. We were, we're going to McDonald's, and Lincolnton's a cool little town. It's got, they always have, like, festivals and parades, and so we were like, oh, man, I hope they're, hope they're not having a parade, because last time we got stuck down there in a parade, and, and you know, you have to wave at everybody, and, and uh, we weren't actually in the parade, but we were, had, you know, it's a long tour. And so we go to McDonald's, and we order two number ones. You know, that's kind of their staple, Big Macs, you know, two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. You know the story. Uh, and so every now and then, we're hungry for a really good Big Mac, all right? And so we ordered the Big Mac, and it was a little bit of test of endurance. Uh, anymore, when you go in a restaurant and eat in, it takes a little longer. I, I told Janie, we should go through the drive through get it, and then just come in and eat it because we'll get it a lot faster. So we're sitting there, and we're not in a hurry, so we're just waiting, biding our time. And, and eventually they, they, uh, they called our order number, and I went up and got it and came back down, and we order our, and get our fries. And we put our fries inside the Big Mac container, and we have our Diet Cokes, Big Mac and Diet Coke. What an oxymoron. And so uh, we were, <laughs> Janie, uh, she's looking to see if they put any of that special sauce on there, and she opens up her lid. You know, on the Big Mac, there's three buns. She opens up the lid, and there's no top patty. Like, there's no hamburger there. You got a Big Mac with only one patty on it, and it was on the bottom, and I said, oh, that's horrible. Let me take it back for you. So I, I went up there and took it back. I said, hey, what's wrong with this? And the girl says, I don't know. I said, well, look at it. It's only, like, I start quoting the commercial to her, two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And she said, you're missing the hamburger, aren't you? I said, yeah. Could you maybe another hamburger? <laughs> Or some money back. She said, oh, we'll make you another one. So I go back and sit down. We're waiting on Janie's. And I unravel mine and get ready to eat it. Mine's missing a patty, too. So I got to get back up. And I go over there. I said, hey, same guy made this one, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, he made this one wrong as well. So they make us two more Big Macs. And we take those back to our seat because our fries are in the thing. And we want to at least eat our fries. We're waiting on the other Big Macs. And we're hoping the other two Big Macs aren't as long as the first two Big Macs. And, you know, in the commercial, two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on sesame seed bun, there's only six ingredients well, when they brought the new ones back, they were missing three of the ingredients. They didn't have the special sauce, the pickles, or the onions on either Big Mac. And so I, the first time they were missing the Big Mac patty, and then the second time they were missing the onions, pickles, and, and special sauce, which, by the way, is what we really like. And so <laughs> I said, hey, <laughs> I said, one more time, slowly. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on the sesame seed bun. I said, there's no special sauce, there's no pickles or onions. Now, we're learning endurance on this deal, okay? And so they give us them to take back to our seat, and uh, one of their guys came up, and I don't think he was a manager, but he, he worked for him, and he meant well. He said, the guy making him is brand new. I said, has he ever seen the commercial? <laughs> she, he said, What commercial? I said, two old beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion, sesame seed bun. <laughs> so the manager came over. <laughs> she brings us two fresh ones. The cheese was cold. We had six Big Macs on our table. We looked like a buffet. <laughs> or we should go to Overeaters Anonymous. I don't know. Between the six Big Macs, we did come up with two that were, were, but we learned a lesson on endurance and humility. We didn't say anything. We really upheld Gracers very well. Sometimes I'd have just slammed those things down and not, no, I'm better. It was, this year has been really good. But I wanted to send them the commercial. And I wonder if sometimes if that's not how the world looks at the church. Hey, aren't you supposed to be a Christian? Shouldn't you endure a little bit? Aren't you supposed to have a little bit of patience? What about your faithfulness? Why are you preaching to me when you're not willing to do it yourself? And I think this is what the Bible is showing us with Israel, is that the only way that you can ever have deliverance is to have endurance. See, Israel was delivered 
by the hand of God through Moses and then again through Joshua because they learned how to endure. Even the ones who complained eventually died, but there was an endurance there. And I think in today's day and age, we don't endure very well. We don't, like, we're the ones that are supposed to be the example for what Christ is supposed to look like to the world, but if we're so harsh to the world that we don't know how to endure, or we complain to the world because we don't know how to endure, or we just give up on everything because we don't know how to endure, then what kind of witness or testimony are we for Christ? Right? Let's go to Isaiah 40 for a second, and we're going to read 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God? In other words, he endures. It's going to be all right. He's going to take care of you. The creator of the ends of the earth. I love that. He created everything. He understands your purpose. He does not faint, nor does he grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. I stop here for a second. One of my life goals, which I don't know will ever be accomplished, but one of my life goals is to beat my son Andrew in a race. It's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I might have three people hold him back, and it might just be a five-yard race. Because, and this is the scripture I always use, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. <laughs> he said he's built different than that. He, he's, I'm waiting for, like, I'll wait till he runs a marathon, and then maybe I'll, let's run 100 yards. He'll still beat me, but if I have Jessica trip him or something, then we'd be okay, all right? Or, or Marcus or somebody hold him back, and then verse 31 says, but, everybody say but, but, but they who wait, or endure for the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen, this is God's promise to you, friend, that if you will simply endure, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Give the Lord a shout of praise, because that's a promise God has for you. When we learn to endure, by the way, can we do this? You know, in, in, in the Christmas season, in the Christmas season, um, depression and anxiety levels grow to a whole new level. And, and even in the school systems, we understand there, that anxiety and um, you know, self-mutilation and depression and, and suicide rates are off the chart. Can we stop and just pray for our educators? And can we stop for those who work in the medical field? Can we stop and, and, and even pray for not only our youth, especially our youth, but also just people going through trying times in, 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 in society today? Would you, would, you, would you agree with me? that be, Because it's, it's, again, it goes back to endurance, right? It goes to that, that level of, man, I, I just don't think I can make it. We need to allow them and let them know they can make it, right? That, that, that there is hope on the other side. This first Sunday the, of Advent, that Advent candle is the candle of hope. It's the candle of prophecy. We need to be able to speak into people's lives who are having a hard time. Can we do let me pray. Father, we pray right now, Lord, for our school systems, for our counselors and teachers, for our students, for family members who, Lord, are going through a, a depressive state right now or a high anxiety. Father, Lord, of uh, is it going to work out? Would you let them know, Lord, that they can endure to the end? And Lord, would you put people by them and in place of them and in, in front of them and with them and surround them, Lord, with hope and love and life and even laughter? Father, let them know that, Father, they're not alone, that, Lord, you care, Father, Lord, and you're, you're asking them and willing to endure with them, Father. We speak against every evil curse and bondage and destructive situation. We call it to be gone right now in Jesus' name, and we speak life and hope and love, Father, Lord, into their situation, into uh, wisdom for teachers and parents and family members who might be leading someone, Lord, who, who is contemplating these, these horrible things. Father, would you give them the words to say and speak? In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen.
So the first 400 years is Egypt. The second 400 years is what we just talked about, and that's, that's Zechariah. So the first time in 400 years, God speaks to his people, and he speaks to his people in, uh, through uh, Zechariah, through an angel. We believe it's probably Gabriel. We're not sure, but we believe it's Gabriel. And because he's speaking to Zechariah, Zechariah has to, second word, receive what God has for him. He's got, to, he's got to receive this. Now, Zechariah doesn't totally receive what God has because uh, the angel shuts the mouth of Zechariah because Zechariah doesn't believe that him and Elizabeth can have a child. But the child's going to be John the Baptist and he's going to be a forerunner for Jesus. He's going to, he's going to break ground. He's going to, it's kind of like what we do in worship. Worship breaks the ground so the word can be uh, spoken. This is what John the Baptist was going to be. And so, Zechariah, if you don't know the story, he, he's muted for nine months, and then when the baby's born, Elizabeth is, is determining with her family members what should we name, uh, what should we name the baby? And Zacharias says or writes, the name shall be, his name shall be John, and automatically he starts to speak again. Well, this is important because if we're enduring, all right, then we also have to receive. And so 400 years of quiet, 400 years of silence between Malachi and the Gospels, God hasn't spoken. Now he speaks to, not only does he speak to Zechariah, he speaks to Mary. Not only Mary, but he speaks to Joseph. Now he speaks, and then he speaks to the shepherds. So there's all this speaking going on, and it becomes a beautiful scenario. And now my encouragement to you is you need to receive the words God is speaking over you. The psalmist said in Psalms 40, verse 7, I have read the scroll of the book of the words that are written over me. You need to read the scriptures like if Jesus was speaking to you. You need to read the scriptures like if that word was meant for you and you alone. God, this word is for me. It's life-giving. It's hope-filled. I'm going to receive it. In fact, Jesus says in Mark, the 11th chapter, these words, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. I Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Let's leave that scripture there just for a moment. So receive is the word. Over 400 years of silence, all right, 1,500 years before Christ, Moses was acted as a deliverer. Hebrew children were dying, okay, to and under. They were being murdered, sacrificed so that they could have no, so that they could not recreate heirs, okay. Now, Jesus is coming on the scene. Herod is killing all the Hebrew children two years and under again, all right. So there's mass sacrifice. They're dying, and, and Jesus comes alive. He comes to this earth. We celebrate it for Christmas, a beautiful holiday, but we need to celebrate it for all the right reasons. There's a reason Jesus came, and that's so we could experience Christ, become saved, and then lead others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, so now we have to ask in prayer. Don't demand in prayer. Let's ask in prayer. God, I ask you, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us that in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verses 9 through 13. Whatever we ask, let it be your will, Father. So I ask in prayer, and now I believe that I've already received. That's the key. So um, believe, sometimes we believe, but we're not receiving it. We, we, like, Lord, when's it going to happen? We have to believe like as if we've already received. This is what God, this is what Jesus did when he prayed to God. I thank you, Father, that you've healed the lepers. I thank you, Father, that you've raised Lazarus. I thank you, Father, that you've healed the lame. I thank you, Father, that you've healed the blind. I thank you. He thanked the Father. He prayed and received that prayer while he was then praying for that person. He's all God. He's all men. We get it. We understand. He walked in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he's got a little bit more on it than we do. But if we pray these things and we receive it in advance, so there's a, a receiving there. Now, this second 400 years of quiet, the first 400 was a deliverance, okay? They had to endure to deliverance. The second 400 is the grace age. So this is we're, we're receiving from God. We're receiving his salvation, 
We're receiving Christ. And that receiving of Jesus is free to anybody and everybody in the world today for all time, from going back 2,000 years. And so we were at 1,500 years, okay? And now we're in the middle of Christ, 1,500, before, 1500 years before Christ, to Jesus, where we receive this great gift of salvation. Again, the reason we celebrate Christmas. So the Advent, if you were a traditional churchgoer, of which we probably don't have many in here, maybe you came from a liturgical background, the first Sunday of Advent starts the church calendar, and it would go through Pentecost Sunday. And so this starts the, 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 the festivities. This starts the, and not, we're talking, not talking about Christmas parties, we're talking about in the liturgical sense, this is, this is me and God. This, this Sunday is, is hope-filled. This is the Sunday where the advent of hope, where I know that hope is, is going to be filled throughout the earth, and now I've received that hope, okay? I received that, that, that trying of, my, of my, my patience, and the trying of my faith, which brings patience. I receive that thing that I'm praying for, Lord, I've received it, but I won't receive it according to my will. I receive it according to his will, my Father's will. It's important that we understand that because if, we, if not, we get lost in a selfish nature. We can Americanize everything. We, it's a little bit about us, you know. It, it's, it's about me and maybe not about anybody else. And all of a sudden, that, that lends my prayers to me just praying about myself and not praying for our church or praying for our community or praying for our loved ones or praying for our town or praying for our region, state, country, government, whatever it may be however broad God may allow you to come. We have to receive that prayer by believing in faith that our prayer has been heard. Zechariah nailed it with the exception that he didn't know if Elizabeth could get pregnant or not. Well, the, the angel shut his mouth until this happened. And at 24 weeks, okay, six months in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist gets filled with the Holy Spirit. What a tremendous story. Again, young people, young Hebrews are dying, okay? They're, they're getting murdered because there's a rumor out that the Messiah is going to come. Herod doesn't want anybody born that might be a king because he's trying to protect his kingdom. And this is true in all kingdoms. They would kill off the, those that they might feel like could be raised up. And so John the Baptist baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and went inside his mother's womb. Unbelievable story. And then the, the third scenario, and the third word I want you to know is come. So the third 400-year period is the Ottoman Empire. So the first empire was the Egyptian Empire. The second empire was the Greek-Roman Empire. Now we have the Ottoman Empire, and this took place 1,500 years after Christ. So we have 1,500 years before Christ, Moses, deliverance, endurance. Then we have Christ, all right, but receiving salvation. And now we have 1,500 years after Christ, the Ottoman Empire scattered the Jewish people all around the world. And for 400 years, they persecuted the Jews. There was more Jewish people living in New York City than Israel up until the year 2016. So just six years ago, more Jews lived outside of Israel than lived inside Israel. Mount Sinai Hospital, more abortions over the 53 years than any hospital in all the world and it's the largest Jewish hospital there is. So again, young Jewish babies dying, all right? So here, here, here's what I'm saying. So 1500 to early 1900s, the Ottoman Empire scattered the Jews, but there was a, there's a word out now, come, come home, come, come, ba come back. And so what happened every time there was 400 years of silence, again, history repeats itself, hear me on that. The first 400 years was when they took, uh, after, after that, they took Canaan's land. After the second 400 years, we got salvation. Now, after the, the next, the third 400 years, is the church age. The church comes to life. An explosion again, two, 1906, a Pentecost grows through the, through the nation and then through the world. The church is revived. 48, Israel becomes a state. 67, Jer Jerusalem becomes uh, identified as a, as, a, as a city again in, in the singleness of nature. And now we have this, um, this beautiful jubilee period where the church is walking in. Let's go to Revelations, the 22nd chapter, and we see where the Holy Spirit and the church work together now. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. 
I am the root and descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Everybody say, come. come. Listen, this is important. Church, if I can teach anything today, this is important because this is the age we're living in where the spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, are working together to invite people into the kingdom of God. This isn't necessarily about heaven. Although it will be about heaven, this is about us as believers acting as the shepherds did way back 2,000 years ago and say, wait a second, a Savior is born. So the Ottoman Empire lasted for 400 years, and in 1917, it disbanded, okay? It was overthrown. So now God's back on the scene working through, and even through the Holocaust, working to get his Jewish people, his Israelite family, back to Israel, which they did in 2016. What does that mean? That means we have to look then for victory, just like we did with Christ, just like we did with Canaan, just like we did with Moses, just like we did the apostles. Jesus dispatched grace with the apostles, and now the Holy Spirit is dispatching his church to share of the good news. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty say, come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. What's he saying? Now he's saying, listen, there's an open invitation for anybody who wants to to come to the table. Anybody who wants to, there's no pre-qualifications on anybody. You come in, and then you allow, just like what um, Elizabeth and Zachariah did, they were righteous, they were blameless, they were obedient, they were servants, and they were prayer warriors. Five things Luke 1, 5 through 11 tells us. They were righteous, they were blameless, they were obedient, they were servant, and they were prayer warriors. They, they, were, they were people, and they had not heard from God for 400 years. Come. Come, that's all he's saying. Come. Come on back, worship team. That's all he's saying. Come. Would you, would you come? Would you come? Now, listen, listen, to me on, listen to me on this. When we get to a place in our life where we're less concerned with ourselves and more concerned with the people around us, we are then working with the power of the Holy Spirit to become the church that God wants us to be. Church being not the building, church being the people of Christ. So it could be a church in across state. It could be a church across the, the United States. It could be a church across the world that we partner together by the power of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, we need to, we need to come. We need to come. I love it when our uh, kids and grandkids come over. I love it when they come to the house and they're, they're full of life, all right? And maybe we put on a football game or maybe we have turkey or uh, have a steak or, or, or Janie cooks Sunday afternoon and we're watching a game or at uh, the end of this month, our daughter from Omaha, Jill and Jeff and little Cam, they're, they're gonna come down. I love it, you love seeing them. They're, and they're, they're, there's this coming that, that takes place. And I love it what, what the master does. I, I love in, 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 in um, Numbers, the sixth chapter, verses 24, 5, and 6, uh, God tells Aaron to pray a blessing over the Israelites. Uh, because one, he knows they were 400 years without a blessing. They were preserved, but not blessed. And then they're going to be 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And God knows this because of their disobedience. But he wants them to bless. And he says, Lord, bless thee and keep thee. Let, let the Lord bless you and keep you. Let him cause his face to shine upon you and give you rest. It's all about the you. It's all about the us. And God is, is talking to us. And, and that word bless means so many different things. And, and, and here it means Barak. And Barak means a couple different things. And Barak in, in, in Joshua's uh, treading of around uh, Jericho is wherever he chooses to do battle, Barak prays. There's going to be victory. But this blessing is Barak, and it's a sense of like bending over it. It's like the parent or grandparent seeing that child uh, coming running through the door, and they bend over, and they pick that child up, and they give him a, a big hug. And I, I can do that with two of our, our grandchildren, Selah and, and Judah, because they're still small of our other grandchildren. I, I just give a stand. In fact, I reach up to two of them. Brady and Jonah, I got to reach up to to give them a hug. And Cam's about there. He's, he's He's, he's getting close. And, and, and yet I see the Father because that word Barak means bending over. It's, it's 
it's Father God leaning over to you in your current situation and saying, son, daughter, I love you. Would you come? Would you come? Would you, would you, would you come to the table and dine? Would you come? I want to I bless you. So I want you to stand with me this morning where you're at. I want you to, to be mindful and be thoughtful today. Again, a little bit of a smorgasbord. The silent years, God's there, you have to endure. The silent years, God's there, you have to receive. The silent years, God's there, you have to come. And maybe you're here today and you've never come to the Lord. Maybe you've never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're ashamed or maybe you're embarrassed or maybe you're, you feel like you've been judged, but maybe you've judged. Maybe you're not there yet, but I want you, I want you to know that you have a Father God in heaven who literally will bend over to pick you up. In fact, he says that in his Exodus, Exodus, the third chapter, I will come down, I will bend over to bring you up and out, to fill you with a land full of milk and honey. See, this is a God who sent his son so that he would die for us, for you and for me. He just wants you to come. So I personally just want you to check your heart today. We're going to sing the blessing. And if you need to receive that blessing, receive it. If you need to pray it over your children, pray it over your children, your loved ones, your family members, love, your community, those are your, you come in contact with. Because life is precious and God is good. But he's, he's given us deliverance. He's given us salvation. He's given us a home in heaven. He just wants us to receive it. Not only receive it, he wants to tell others about it. Would you come?
God takes us through a wilderness. Sometimes we're going through seasons of preparation or preservation, and we have to say, Lord, what are we learning in this season? Other times he brings us a word that we just don't get, that maybe we don't understand, but we can be like Mary and just say, Lord, we receive it. Here am I, Lord, yet be it done to me according to your word. And we can walk in faith in each season. But as we close, I just want to center on the word come. You know, he was talking about how the Christmas season can be so full of joy and lights and glitter and fun and gifts. But for a lot of people, it's not. And it can be hard and there can be depression and anxiety that wants to set in. So if that's you today, if you're feeling weary, I just want to remind you that Jesus said, come. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And if you're here today and you feel like you're overflowing and your cup is full, full of joy or gratitude, then Jesus says, come, show them, show them Emmanuel, that God is with us, that God has come, the Savior of the world has come. So I just want to encourage us as we close in prayer that wherever you are, say either come, Jesus, and fill me up, give me that peace, Lord, or let's go out into Hickory and say, come, see Jesus. So Lord, thank you so much for today and for the word that you've given us. I just pray over this group, Lord, that's come in your name, that you would fill them up from the inside. Those who are hurting and who are weary, that you would give them rest for their soul and that you would be their Prince of Peace. I pray over those who are full of the joy of the Lord, Lord, that we would go out into the streets of Hickory and that we would proclaim the good news that Jesus has come, that this is the age that the church is alive, the Holy Spirit is with us, that you would empower us to go out and that many would come in, Lord, that this Christmas season would be like none other, that the seats would be full and that the joy of the Lord would reign in this place. And we thank you so much, God, for this church, for Grace Church, and all that you're doing through it. In the name of Jesus, amen. We love you guys. Have a Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.